Welcome to Faith Walking Conversations. In this episode, Marcos Leon and a group of faith walkers share a time of meditation and learning about practices that nurture the soul. This week, the topic was the first principle of the series Four Spiritual Principles. The principle is I am not, but he is. This conversation was originally recorded in January of 2021. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. Until I see the Christ in Welcome to our first meditation of the year, 2021. <laughs> yes, that's the year. I always have to pay attention because I get confused. That happens the first couple of weeks, right? So this is um, our weekly uh, meeting on Mondays when we consider things that are helpful for uh, us to stay centered in God. How important is that, especially in times like the times that we are living. We we all maybe had the hope that with the change of the year, things will change completely, but here we are in the first couple of weeks of the year and, and dealing still with um, very challenging situations in all senses. More than ever, we need a true center, and that's our purpose. So today we're starting a new series. Uh, we will have uh, four or five conversations around what I call uh, the of the four spiritual uh, principles, four spiritual principles. And we will have probably many more principles, but we're just going to talk about four. <laughs> and um, and it's helpful. Uh, let, let me tell you, um, before, we're going to talk today about the first principle. that, uh, and, and you can, uh, you, you know, the, the title, the first principle, as you were invited to, to participate, is I am not but he is, and that he obviously is God. But let me, let me uh, first uh, tell you a little bit about uh, where is this coming from, right? Um, this is a book um, from uh, Pastor Dick Woodward. Uh, I believe the book is out of print. You can probably find uh, some copies. It's probably not a very famous book, but I found it very appealing in the simplicity uh, and, the, and the reality, in my opinion, of uh, the way that Pastor Woodward uh, invites us to consider the spiritual secrets. That the, the name of the book is actually Four Spiritual Secrets. I didn't want to use the word secrets because I believe that they are not so secret. They are very well revealed uh, in, in, in the Bible for us. Uh, and you probably are not going to hear anything completely new, but you are going to probably hear it in a different way, I hope so. At least that was the case for me. So that's where we are coming from. And he has uh, four simple principles or secrets. The first one we're going to talk about today is I am not, but he is. The second for the coming week, uh, I can't, but he can. It's beautiful. <laughs> the next one is I don't want to, but he wants to. I love it. And finally, I didn't, but he did. He did. What a beautiful, simple uh, way of seeing 
the complexity of this spiritual journey. <clears throat> Let me tell you something else about Pastor Woodward. Uh, you will, if you Google his name, you will find out more about him. I mean, what I want to tell you that is important is that he was a pastor. I think he was a successful pastor, uh, evangelic pastor, but he had a disease uh, uh, later in life, and he, in the last years of his life, he was a quadriplegic. So there is a real um, sense of, of of learning and the impact of of these kinds of challenges. He was fully functional in his mind and brain. He was teaching and preaching and, and writing and doing all these things from his bed. Uh, it was not an accident. It was not something that they were expecting that would happen. It just happened. He got diagnosed with a kind of those. Uh, uh, sicknesses and his nervous system start fading away and he became quadriplegic. So this is coming from somebody who who um, had a level of experience of life and suffering and challenges that uh, so uh, for me normally says I, I better pay attention you know when I in the presence of people like that. So he he passed already but uh, he has left this things with that. So today we're going to talk about the first principle. And let me start with this passage. I'm going to read it. This is a very, very famous passage. And um, the, the account of the encounter of Moses with God. So much to learn about it. So has been so used for many good teachers to, to bring a lot of good truth to our lives, right? I'm thinking about experiencing God or experiencing God and all, all those things, but I want to read it. I, I believe that this is very at the heart too of the, the teaching of Pastor Woodward, and it gives us a little bit of a context, a biblical context into this first principle. So Exodus chapter 3, verses from, uh, from verses 7 to, through 12, and the Bible tells us as follows. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites. Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hittites. I can tell all these names in, in Spanish a lot better than in English, believe me. <laughs> and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So all of that is, is known, right? So this is the faithful God coming to rescue his people. It's great. It's, it's big, right? And you can imagine Egypt. This is a superpower. Verse 10, come, this is to Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh and you might bring my people, that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you and this shall be their sign for you, that I have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And you know the story, right? We, we can, you know very well the story, but it isn't that amazing. 
right? Uh, I wonder, I always wonder what would have been my reaction. <laughs> Probably we all do did, right? If, if I would be in that position, you know, God suddenly is speaking to me and telling me that there is this amazing task ahead of me and he's choosing me to do that. So, you know, we, we don't need to be too harsh with Moses in, in this conversation because saying, but are you sure? But I, I, I cannot do this, but I don't know how to do that. But what will happen if this and that? And God keeps telling him, but I'm going to be with you until you see that God kind of gets a little bit more uh, uh, serious and say, you know, you are going <laughs> because I say so, sort of. And, uh, and that is kind of the idea. I, I like the, how this, but who am I? You know, that is the main aspect of this passage that I, that I think. Who am I that I should go? So you see that? That, 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 is, that is me, that is you. Right? This first principle talks about a, a different focus from who am I to who God is. So all the principles that we're going to talk about are about focus. You know, it is not much about... A, you know, performance or anything, but it's about how we see and what we see. What are we focusing on? Think that what we see impacts how we respond, what we see, right? We do a lot of that kind of work in faith walking too. It's, it's an awareness first. It's, it's kind of the, the, the door to, to consider reactions and responses, right? Making that, that distinction. My reactions usually are not taught, are automatic. And my responses are, are, are processed. You know, I, I respond from a better place. But all that starts with focus, with awareness. And I think these principles kind of realign on our awareness. Most of us, most of our efforts in the spiritual journey are usually focused on our performance, isn't it? Right? Our devotion, our obedience, our righteousness, how, how well or how bad we are doing these things. And we are not looking for work, uh, works, but we are kind of assessing ourselves. How am I doing? So our focus has to change from ourselves to God. And that is the first principle kind of in a very nutshell, right? So usually what we do is we see ourselves, our gifts, our performance, or our brokenness. So that is kind of the focus that we have when we think in a, on a spiritual journey, how we are doing. And then we see ourselves as individuals that I say are sort of disconnected from others and from God. You know, we, we know that we are part of a body. And this is a complex thing. But most of us, especially, I would say, if you are living in, in, uh, in the West, especially if you're living in the United States, you know, we have a whole culture that is calling to this individualism. And there's nothing completely wrong with that. And there's no judgment in my, judgment in my words. But, but we live from a perspective of me. You know, there is a, a big emphasis in me, mine, my computer, my car, my house, my dream, my calling, you know, my situation, my walk with God. And, and there is all of that. And for sure, there's a space for that. Uh, in, in the journey, but we have kind of overdone it in a way, and and we see ourselves, we, we understand ourselves as disconnected, or we connect whenever we want, 
right? So this changes a little bit uh, as, as we start thinking of the invitation of God to see us as connected to him, right? So let's, uh, uh, let's explore. So these principles invite us to pay attention to what we focus on before we respond, a movement from self-referential perspective to a God-referential focus, okay? From self-referential is when I am the referent to a God-referential view. So what we are invited is to see, instead of see ourselves, we're invited to see God. And yes, God in us, as God in others and in circumstances in the world. Just think, even in all the pandemic and all the situations that we have been living for, for uh, many months now, how different it is your attitude when you only see the facts as they are and the world and the country and politics or whatever, and, and how it changes when you try to at least be curious to, to see that from a perspective of God, not with, with certainty that you know what the will of God is. This is not about prophecy or anything like that. This is more like asking God, so what? Where, where is God in all of this? And it's a very humble question. Where is God? What is God after? What is God doing? What could God be doing? In a spiritual direction, we, we usually, at least the, the kind of contemplative one, right? We make silence and we, in our conversation, we stop at several points. This is, let's go to silence. And let's present that question to God. And listen. And we listen for a couple of minutes, for a few minutes. And I cannot tell you how that changes the directs the conversation. Try it one day. If you are seeing or reading the news, whatever it is that is causing a lot of anxiety for you today, as, as you're reading and you see that, that anxiety rising, stop and say, Lord, let me present this to you. What, what are you saying to me? What could you be saying to me about this? And be humble. This is not about revelation into, again, prophecy. But what do you hear? What God says? So that is the, the invitation. What we see is God, right? And what we see is ourselves as part of a whole, part of the story, deeply connected to God, from God, for God, to God, through God, Christ in you, Christ in me is the hope of glory. And actually, every one of these principles that we're going to talk about, it is sort of like, um, I am not, but he is, and he is in me, and I am in him. So in after every principle, there is this reminder that all this is possible because Christ in you is real. If you are in this meditation, it is. <laughs> right? They're paying attention to all of this. So let me give you a couple passages of scripture just to thinking or, or emphasizing uh, this idea of awareness or seeing. What do we see? This is the principles about seeing in a different way. The first one is Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Jesus, and we have used this passage in the past for sure, because I think it's very telling, right? Jesus is talking and he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You know, there's so many uh, miracles in, in the life of Jesus that in which he brings uh, sight for people who are blind. There's so many, right? I believe that the, that's some, somehow what we need to have a different awareness to what God is doing. And that's what these principles are inviting us. Not denying uh, us, but putting us in the context of God. <laughs> okay? So that's the first passage. The, the, the importance of seeing. So our understanding is uh, in the understanding of God. Right? Second passage is, and this passage is also very famous. I just like it so much. It spoke to me the, the story of Paul. Uh, you know, being this uh, persecutor of, of the church and, and this amazing change that takes place in Acts 9, you know, and Christ himself comes and, and, and blinds him. And here it is, the, the super powerful man uh, blinded by, by Jesus without being able to see. And uh, until Ananias comes uh, to him and, uh, and, and prays for him and baptizes him and, and says, and immediately something like a scales fell from his eyes. <laughs> you know, something like a scales need to fall from my eyes. When I see the news, when I see the situations, when I see my life and my circumstances, when I see myself, my own identity. So, first principle, very, very specifically, I am not, but he is. Most are focused from us how we see ourselves, who we are to God and who God is. And this, believe me, makes a whole difference. I'm sure you, you have tried this, right? And this sounds hard, but it is not about me. It's not about you. You are not the point of the story. And I say this with love. And I believe God says that with love. <laughs> you are not the point of the story. God is the point of the story. But God in you. I am in him, and he is in me. The point of the story is this amazing, you know, character of Christ developed in me that makes uh, the old Marcos a new Marcos that reflects the glory of God. Yes, it's about God's glory. And if I, I always say this, if I see Marcos of the past and my first formation and I'm done with it, and then I see Marcos of the present and all my brokenness today, but then I see Marcos of the future, and I dare to believe that Christ in me is working slowly, taking me to a place that is certain, that character is being developed, I am able to, to face this present in a different way because I see a direction and a, a, and a trajectory in which God is is taking me. So it's not about me, it's about God, yet I am in this journey with him. I cannot see myself without seeing God. So it brings, this kind of seeing brings, brings freedom. You know, I believe that brings freedom to our own way of understanding ourselves, our own perception about ourselves, either because we are over-exaggerating who we are. There is like a, a problem of, with ego. <laughs> we are a little bit narcissistic and we think that we are too much. <laughs> or because we are too little, because we focus too much on our brokenness and our limitations. 
freedom from our giftedness, freedom from our limitations. Those are not the essence of who we are. You are more than your gifts. I am more than my gifts. And for sure, you are more than your brokenness. I am more than my brokenness. This principle invites us to see ourselves as God sees us in Christ. So I say freedom from our our own personal issues, right? A healthy psyche, a healthy soul. So, you know, in in this journey of faith walking, and you have done some of that, it's such a life-giving journey. But uh, like in any other work that we do personally, we can overemphasize the self and the work on myself and my own differentiation of self or whatever you want to call it, right? And suddenly here I am in this never-ending project of improvement. I always improve myself, you know, that I become. And again, there's no judgment in me, but I have to balance that with this understanding that my differentiation of self, I say with love <laughs> and respect, is not the whole point of my existence. The differentiation of self did not go to the cross for me. The differentiation of self is not going to make a huge change after I die or in the last moments of my life. There's something greater. And yes, I need to work in my differentiation of self. You, 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 you get it, right? This is the balance. This is the journey. But when I am able to understand that I am not, this is not about me, but he is, but God is, I start kind of bringing this harmony and this balance and allows me enough strength to do my work and enough humility to get over my issues. This is not about my issues. It's about God. It brings freedom from my fear. Because in the same way, you know, if this is about God, and this is really, he is going to think of Moses. I think Moses was anxious because of the of the fear that he had. What I'm going to do? You see that disconnection? Yes, God, you are great, but what I'm going to do? Who am I? You know, he keeps seeing himself. <laughs> and God is saying, but I'm going with you, but I'm going to do it. But, but what I'm going to do? You see the disconnection. So there's a moment in which uh, we can consider the idea that whatever happens, what if whatever happens to me today, is the will of God. I mean, this is a very challenging idea, by the way. There's a whole book I'm, I'm reading still. It's called He Leaded Me. This is a, a Jesuit uh, a priest who was 20 plus years uh, in Siberia. People thought that he was dead. And suddenly he comes back. They're exchanging prisoners after the war. And he, he comes because... Uh, he was alive. He's like, oh my gosh, we thought you have died. He, they're 26 years, I think. And he reads, uh, writes this book. And his point in the whole book, uh, through all the suffering, the jail, and then the uh, forced labor, and you know, the hardship that he lived all, all those years, is that the only thing that sustained him is when he got this awareness that what if, all things considered, I've done all that I can to 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 be different, to, to be in a different circumstance. But what if what is happening to me, what's going to happen to me today is the will of God? And what if God wants me to, 
to face it as the will of God. How, how will that change my, my perspective? It is very challenging. So, our fear. Our fear is about tomorrow. What will we do? What if we believe and trust that because God is tomorrow, is sort of taken care of. Let me finish with two, before we start our, our dialogue with these two sentences, uh, quotes uh, that talk about uh, this idea of, of our own issues and the freedom. This one is uh, Henry Nouwen. I love this, this quote. He says, self-rejection, this is a personal issue, right? <laughs> self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. It's beautiful. And you know why? It's beautiful because it's truth. And why is truth? Because God says that. And I'm not trying to be kind of, you know, defending anything. I'm just saying, you have a voice that calls you beloved. Every day, every morning, if you quiet your soul, you will hear it. And you and I have a voice that's pretty harsh. Call it voice of shame, whatever it is, self-rejection. Actually, Henry Nomin says that all the message of Jesus could be summarized in, in him telling us, you are welcome. <laughs> Marcos, you are welcome. You belong. Yeah. Anyway, so talk about freedom of our own issues, right? When we focus only in our self-rejection, we are focusing ourselves. But when we focus in God, what we hear, believe me, and try it, try it if you don't believe me. <laughs> when you, you focus in God and you listen and quiet your heart, Chances are that you're going to hear that you're loved. This is Daniel Flaherty. Flaherty is, is the person that I was telling you before, uh, this uh, Jewish priest that uh, wrote this book, He Leadeth Me. So he, he writes, We come to expect God to accept our understanding of what His will ought to be and to help us fulfill that. Instead of learning to see and accept his will in the real situations in which he places us daily. The simple soul who each day makes a morning offering of all the prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. And who then acts upon it by accepting unquestionably and responding lovingly to all the situations of the day as truly sent by God. Has perceived with almost childlike faith, the profound truth about the will of God. It's challenging. I, I, I've been a few months trying to digest that. What if everything that happens to me today is the will of God? Anyway, but you see, there is a freedom. And actually, in this book, he talks a lot about it. You know, it doesn't mean that it's easy, but we are free. So let me stop here and open our conversation. What are your comments? We talk a lot about the principles, but the first principle is I am not, but he is. Sometimes when I say I am not, it's like a slap, right? Boom. Who, 
who are you to dare to say that I am not? <laughs> Sounds uh, very personal in a way, right? But what comes to your mind? What are you present to? I needed that Henry Nouwen quote very badly. Um, and probably the other one, but I will have to read that over again later. Um, because I'm, I'm really good at finding fault with myself. Um, and it's really interesting because yesterday I preached for my church. Um, yesterday in the Episcopal Church, we celebrated the baptism of Jesus um, by John. And, you know, the, I love the reading from Mark because he talks about the, um, the sky being torn apart um, and the spirit coming down and the voice of God saying, you are my beloved, with you I am well pleased. And so I preached on that, that Jesus, of course, is the beloved, but we are made in God's image, and so are we. And yet, I need to tell myself that a lot more. Um, I needed that today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. I don't want to give you the whole sermon. <laughs> I bet it was a good one. But, you know, I, I believe we all... Uh, relate what would you just say i mean not specifically the sermon but uh, being good at find finding fault with ourselves self-critic right there are all kinds of schools and, and things like that and it's it's like a welcome to the club we, we all do it it's a lie and many of us are staying there and staying there and staying there and staying there and that's part of the problem right and, and, and that sermon or the, the passage of the sermon that you preached yesterday, it is so beautiful. Personally, it was so beautiful and so challenging for me because I, I wanted that. I longed for that. My heart wanted to be known as the beloved. But then that voice says, no, that's Jesus. That's Jesus, not you. Who are you? Oh, if, you, if they will know who are you, and you, you get the point, right? Now, I cannot tell you how many times in the spiritual direction, when, when I invite somebody to be quiet and listen what God is saying, and you listen be, beyond, what you hear is not Marcos, you don't have anything to say. People listen to the voice of God. And you know what I mean. I don't know if they listen audible, but they sense a sense in which God calls them beloved changes changes everything this first principle is just about that where do you want to focus now you leave the, the spiritual direction session right and 30 minutes later <laughs> you are back into the yes but if you keep coming back to that belovedness i believe that there is a moment in which suddenly you wonder and say why is that I'm so certain of that belovedness in these moments, right? These moments. But then I live the rest of my waking hours out of these other moments. And, you know, in faith walking, we talk about integrity, right? Over time, that happens so much times that eventually we get to start choosing. What do you want to pay attention to? What if today I chose the belovedness instead 
I choose that instead of and it takes time. But God is in it. I am not, but He is. I love that quote by Henry Nowen too, and I just that his his works, his his books, and being called the beloved. Um, has made a big impact on me. And in fact, I think on YouTube for a while, they had like, he had preached years ago at the Crystal Cathedral out in California. And they still had where I saw that, where he calls us the beloved and how he uses our brokenness. Um, oh my God, I just lost my, tra- my train of thought. I was going to say, um, but I just, oh, this was it. It's like, there's a lot of things I know about God and I accept about God as from the truths of the scripture. And so I can look at that. I can say, yes, that's true. But sometimes as you talked about the integrity that we, that we try to grow into and faith walking, some of the things that I know with my head, absolutely. And I would, you know, share with people, but they haven't descended into my heart yet. And it's when my heart can fully grasp something that then it becomes a part of me. And that's where I get that dissonance from being able to talk about the surety of something and yet not always bringing that into practice for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Trish. I, I wonder for many of us, uh, what would it be like to act like the beloved? You know, and, and that is the, the question of, I would say, of that of where, where the money is, if, if that sounds. So knowing things does make a lot of change, knowing in the sense of, you know, and we all are there. We need that. We need to know them. But we, we say... Uh, is experience, right? Uh, actually, uh, you, you mentioned Henry now. He had a lot of struggles, too. And you know that. He struggled a lot with identity. And it was a journey. So it was not that he was just preaching, you know. He made amazing decisions because of that. And, and, and this is my thought in the context of integrity. So here's the principle. We know the principle. I am not, but he is. He is in me. Let me. It's, it's so beautiful and simply proved that I can tell you that any circumstance that you face, you can connect that in a very personal way. I am not. I am not. I am not enough. <laughs> I am not whatever, right? But he is. Now, the next step, I believe, is so. Let's let's imagine that I, I am the beloved. What would I do? What would the beloved do? And not it's not about being like Jesus and doing miracles and, you know, going the five miles. What is the one or two things that in this circumstance the beloved would do? And this is the, the, the goal. If, if you dare to try and even to fail, because sometimes you will fail at the beginning, you know, the, we are so used not to be the not beloved that, that we know very well how to function in that role, but it is hard to act. What, what will I say? How will I respond if I am the beloved? When you do that, that is the experience. 
that creates change. We believe that we're changed and transformed because of experience. Experiences like that, touching that. More than that knowledge, it becomes experience. Judith, you want to say something, Michelle? Yeah. Um, when I was preparing my sermon, one of the commentators that I read said that image of the skies being torn open means that God is on the loose. He was no longer hemmed up in heaven. And of course, we see that in Jesus's life here on earth, that God came and he, he walked the earth with us. And now that he no longer walks the earth physically with us and, and we have the spirit, um, we can, you know, I, I'm torn because, of course, Jesus is the beloved of God, but we are also be the, the beloved because we are made in his image. So how we balance this, I am not, but he is, um, when we are two, um, because of who he is. I mean, it's kind of like a, a juggling act that we have to, to manage that. We are not God, but we are, because of the spirit, what God has let loose on the earth for the earth, for, for people. So I hope that makes sense. Yes, Judy, thank you for voicing that so well. This is hard. Michelle. Um, so I was teaching last night on um, Jesus's baptism and our identity um, and how um, the Father spoke identity to Jesus as he was baptized. And the quote from Henry Nouwen is um, the, um, these wonderful words that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Eleven simple words but he calls them the wonderful words um but i was looking at what it means to to know um that we're loved to experience that we're loved um and one of one of my favorite greek words um that i've, I've looked at over and over and over the years is a word um gnosko, which is a word to know um, throughout um, the Gospels and throughout the New Testament. Um, and the idea is that it's a, a to know by relational experience and personal interaction. It's not, it doesn't have that head knowledge. It's, it's about heart. It's about connection. It's about knowing. Um, and when I take that into um, my relationship with Father, like to know, to experience, um, to have that relational connection with him is what is what I need. Um, and so last night I sim I took um, the group. I, we did an imaginative prayer exercise of going and walking and um, walking towards a house um, and going into the Father's presence. Um, and it was just beautiful to see people actually connect with father in in so many different ways from jesus taking their hand and leading them through to father's presence to then meeting him on a sofa in front of a fireplace um and i think when we've had that experience when we when that is our experience the whole walking as beloved um comes naturally because we know how God sees us and how his heart is for us and how much we're loved. Um, but I do think we need um, 
we need to experience it to be able to walk that out. If Jesus needed to have that experience when he was baptized, we too need to have that experience daily to walk out our lives as beloved sons and daughters. It's beautiful, Michelle. Thank you. Indeed, relational experience is not a concept. Thank you. And uh, I read uh, Sue's comment. Uh, you know, he is commending the interview uh, Anderson Cooper to the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. Very black, right? You, Sue, do you want to say something quickly about it? Yes. Um, I mean, it's it's about 30 minutes, I think. It's, it's a long interview, but it's, uh, you know, he's a, a man of faith, and he just... It's like he's, um, he talks about being in conversation with God all through the day and, uh, and, and uh, talking to God in the scriptures, you know, just the, he, he, you know, he, scriptures are just come to him all during the day and, and he can cite on like where it came from. And he's like, you know, but it's just, um, you know, he talks about finding God in the midst of even, because he was there in the Capitol when all this went on uh, Wednesday, you know, so it's like a fir first-hand experience, but it's, it's, it's inspiring and faith building. Yeah. Thank and, you. And Cooper's just kind of in awe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, re I just, I just recommend, I'm sure you can Google and find it if you're interested. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, for sure. <laughs> Sounds, you know, <clears throat> time is up and I, I'm going to pray, but I, I leave us with, with these ideas. You know, this is how uh, I think uh, God invites us to, to live. Uh, and I just highlight uh, the two things that came out of a comment. So, Judith, you mentioned how to balance this. Uh, are we two? Are we one? You know, he is the beloved. But I'm the beloved. I invite you not to try to to explain that in a way, you know, struggle with God. Ask God, what do you say about that struggle, right? Because that is the struggle of your life and my life. Because that is the relational, and that is the second thing, Michelle, that you gave us, the, the relational experience. In that moment, when I was, uh, whatever, whatever I was, in the exercise yesterday with Michelle at the evening, and I had this moment of, connection with I know that I know that I know you know and is it not intellectual but I have this relationship I have this connection with God and that changes everything this is not about magic it is about pursuing that relationship Christ in you Christ in me is the hope of God love let's uh, let's respect the time and and then we pray, pray for you. Such a good conversation. We can stay a bit longer, but it's better just to have integrity with that. So let me pray this blessing over you and over us, over me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
For more information about FeedWalking, visit www.feedwalking.us. We want to remind you that FeedWalking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at feedwalking.us/donate. Thank you for listening. Until I see the Christ in you. Till I'm looking through the eyes of love. Till I'm looking through the eyes.